Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My guest on this week's show has been one of the funniest people on the planet for nearly 50 years. Miss Antope, could I have a few moments of your time? Of course, come in. Gerald, can we get a rush installation on that electrified doorknob? Hi, I'm Carol. I'm an intern here, and I was wondering if I could interview you for our newsletter, specifically Carol's Corner, my award-wanting column. Well, normally I would say no, but I've been involved in enough age discrimination lawsuits to know entrapment when I see it. Oh. Why don't we begin? First question. In your book, everything your mother told you was a lie. You seem like a real B-word. So tell me, how dare you? Okay, I get it. You're a mom and you don't like the book. But guess what? I'm a mom too. You are? Well, I didn't know that. Show me some pictures. Oh, they are so sweet. Which one is yours? All of them. Different donor fathers, all carried by surrogates and born on international flights so that they're citizens of the sky. It's advantageous for tax reasons. That seems like a non-traditional thing to do. Well, that's the point. To answer your question, I wrote that book to show women that they don't have to compromise the way that their mothers did. They don't have to get married and have kids in their 30s or live next to Carol or have grandchildren who make cookies with Carol or love Carol. Interview over. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was Andrea Martin with Tina Fey, who kind of sort of makes a cameo later in this episode, on the criminally underrated sitcom Great News. That show, which aired on NBC a few years ago, was just at the beginning of Andrea's remarkable late career resurgence, which continues later this summer with a recurring role as Steve Martin's love interest on Only Murders in the Building. Andrea may not be as massively famous as her co-stars on that show, but as far as I'm concerned, she has been one of the most consistently hilarious forces in comedy over the past several decades, starting with her role as an original cast member on Canada's answer to Saturday Night Live, SCTV, in the mid-70s, and continuing right up to this present moment. So I'm so thrilled that she could be my guest on what I have to tell you is going to be the last episode of this podcast at least for a while. Basically, I'm taking a little break for the summer as my family welcomes our second baby, and we have some really exciting changes in the works for this podcast when it returns in the fall. Since starting The Last Laugh more than four years ago, this has been an absolute dream project for me, and it's been so fun to share more than 200 conversations with the funniest people in the world with all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sticking with us. And if you want to help steer what the next iteration of this podcast will look like, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review and let us know what you want to hear even more of when we come back later this year. But for now, 
Here's me with the great Andrea Martin. Andrea, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today because uh, I'm, first of all, just been a fan of your work for years and years. But I know you're you're here. Part of the reason you're here is to talk about your role in season three of Only Murders in the Building. The only problem is I haven't seen season three of Only Murders <laughs> in the Building yet because it's uh, we're doing it a little early. But um, I want to talk about it a little bit if we can. Um, I know you appeared in a, a couple of episodes in season two. Didn't have too much to do, but I'm I'm under the impression that maybe you uh, your role as Joy, the makeup artist, is a little bigger this season. Yes, it it is a little bit bigger. Um, I mean. It's I'm in three episodes and two of them are quite substantial. So uh, for sure, I wouldn't have called anything I did in season two substantial, but it was a lovely introduction. Yeah. Well, you had that really great moment in the last episode of season two with Steve Martin's character um, where he finally you know, gets up the courage sort of to ask you out. It was a very sweet scene. Welcome back to the world of the upright. Thanks, Joy. Oh, looking good, Charlie. Hey, Joy. Yeah. Are you asking me out on a date? For when? Are you suggesting tonight? Yes. Oh, Charlie. Finally, you got it out. Had you worked with with Steve much before doing this show? Huh, much. You know, I have worked with Steve, but they've always been kind of around Marty. Marty had a, a sitcom many years ago when Steve and I were on it together. We have done comedy festivals together. We were nominated, both of us were nominated one year uh, for, on Broadway. Uh, and so we hung out a lot then, but I know him, you know, through Marty. And so we've been friends. And uh, so I, sometimes the work overlaps the actual socialization, so, socializing, right? But um, he's not a stranger to me. But this was sort of maybe the first time that you'd really like done scenes with him in this way, right? On on screen. It's certainly the first time I've ever kissed Steve Martin. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> wow. Do you want me to? like dissect it it was yeah, well, soft. give me all the gory was, details <laughs> um well, you know i think both of us are kind of shy in in some bizarre way because certainly comedically we're not but you know he's happily married and i haven't been with anybody for a long time so you know <laughs> uh i don't know it was very dear i think actually the the I don't know if it was we were hesitant, but I think the kind of awkwardness really played in um, well for the characters because they'd known each other for years but never had been romantically yeah, involved. Yeah, that's very so, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, also, a big addition to the cast this year is Meryl Streep, which is a big deal. Did you get to interact with her at all uh, on set, or, or were you in any scenes with her? You know, I was in one uh, like a very big group scene. Um, at the, I think it was the it was the first episode where Paul Rudd's character is really um, he, he displayed. I mean, he just he was so great with so much bravura, bravura, yeah. whatever I pronounce <laughs> that. Um, that he kind of took over the scene, but we were in the scene together. I didn't have any lines with her, but it was a big group scene to establish where the season was going to go. And it was fabulous. You know, I know Meryl, not through show business, but we have uh, children who are now grown and they were in the same elementary school in LA. Oh, no so, way. 
And I, I also, um, through Carrie Fisher, may she rest in peace, Meryl was a very close friend of Carrie's, and Carrie had written a sitcom, a pilot called Esme's Little Nap. And uh, I was Esme, and Debbie Reynolds was my mother in it. And so we socialized a lot during that time. So um we weren't we weren't strangers to one another. Was that a show that didn't that never got picked up or, or you we know never what, got to Matt, see? It never did get picked up and it should have, honestly. It was so clever. And yeah, I mean Carrie great. I mean Carrie Fisher wrote it, you know. So um I, I was so disappointed. I yes, uh that and a pilot I did with Judd Apatow years ago called Sick in the Head. That oh, was yeah. a fabulous pilot. I think those two pilots, I mean, if I can be objective, honestly, I thought they were um, original, maybe a little bit before their time. Maybe that was the reason. Uh, and neither of them got picked up, but I did get to work with Amy Poehler. That was the first time I met Amy Poehler. She was on Sick in the Head. It was a great oh, cast. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Only Murders in the Building, um, this is maybe totally my imagination, but I had thought that I had seen somewhere that the part of Mabel that's played by Selena Gomez was originally written for possibly an older actress more in the in the age range of of Steve and Marty. Was that something that you were ever in talks to play that role when this when the series began? I wouldn't say in talks. I would definitely <laughs> I would definitely say that when Steve was um, conceiving this idea or getting excited about doing this idea about murders in a building. Uh, he and Marty talked and um, like they do all the time. And for sure, uh, I definitely was mentioned in that as this would be something great for you to do. And then the next thing I knew, um, lovely Selena Gomez is playing the part. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it was honestly, if, if I can really be uh, candid with you, I think it was a much better choice to cast her. I would have loved to have done it, um, but she brings such a, uh, a different audience to to the show and she's so lovely uh, honestly I, I can't speak enough about her with the kind of fame that she has to be so low-key and uh, modest and humble um she's a lo lovely human being she deserves all the success that she has yeah well she's she's great on the show but i do think you would have been very funny uh, <laughs> as one of the three leads as well but i'm glad that we get to see you you know a little yeah. bit more this season um so, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, you've known uh, Martin Short for a, quite a long time. Um, he's also your brother-in-law, which people might not know. Um, what do you remember about that very first time that you met Martin Short? I really remember that vividly. Unlike anything else you're going to ask me that I actually, <laughs> I actually, oh, I actually can recall. Uh, we were auditioning for Godspell, all of us in Toronto. I didn't know any, I didn't, I knew Eugene. I knew Eugene Levy because we had done Ivan Reitman's first movie, Foxy Lady. And then we did another movie for Ivan Reitman called Cannibal Girls. So I knew Eugene. I did not know Marty and I didn't know Gilda. But I remember their auditions. I remember that Marty sang a Frank Sinatra, a Frank Sinatra song, uh, which is not really a song you'd pick for Godspell. You know, it's about <laughs> <laughs> young kids with big personalities playing clowns and everybody was singing really up-tempo things that would show off their, you know, big personality. And he sang, um, I think it was My Funny Valentine. And then Gilda got up and sang Zippity Doo Dah, which wasn't a particularly, uh, you know, good song to show off any vocal, um, any vocal skills. Uh, and 
I remember both of them vividly, really. And then Eugene introduced me to Mart, and uh, and then we ended up uh, being in Godspell together. Yeah, yeah. That production of Godspell is obviously so legendary for the cast and and what you all went on to do. Um, you know, did you? What did you feel about it at the time? Did you realize sort of how special that group of people was and how talented everyone was? Because you you couldn't have imagined that everyone would go on or almost everyone would go on to the careers that they that they've had you know that's a question that's asked of me actually in in many things that i've done where i've been lucky to play with you know be cast with other great people like sick in the head really would i have known that amy poehler was going to be amy poehler i thought she was enormously funny um and quirky but so I don't think you ever know what the, I don't here's what I think I don't think you're ever thinking at the time ooh I wonder let me let me rephrase it when I was younger and was were in those productions nobody at those times maybe now they are because of social media and their in, instant fame so now maybe people are very conscious of well if I'm with this group then maybe I'll explode into some um what is the word um, wait, don't Supernova? tell me. No, no, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. No, it's what influencer influencer, oh, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, when we were all starting out, I there think was we no were, such thing. There was no such thing. And, and nobody was, everybody was just excited to be with like-minded people and honestly having fun and getting paid for it. It was a much more innocent time, honestly. Yeah. So it was pretty soon after Godspell that Gilda Radner went off to join the first season of, of SNL. Um, was that something that was on your radar at the time? Were you sort of trying to to be on that show when it started? You know, I never was. I never, never really thought about. I, I certainly saw a lot of my friends go on and be on it. Um, you know, Bill Murray had come to um, Second City in Toronto. That's where I met everybody. And um, John Belushi, I met through all of them. So uh, and then, of course, Gilda I'd worked with. Um, and I knew Lauren Michaels because we both started out in Toronto together. So I certainly knew that group of people and Paul Schaefer because of Godspell. But I wasn't thinking at the time that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really uh, have an idea of strictly comedy or improv comedy being in my future. I, I really, you know, I went off to Stratford and did... Um, you know, plays. I, I did uh, Private Lives with Maggie Smith and Brian Bedford, and I did Candide. So there were, I, I really had a much broader range of where I thought my career might go. Uh, and then once everybody was on it and then being guests on it or hosts on it, then I thought, well, shouldn't I be on that once? <laughs> <laughs> but nobody asked me. <laughs> No. no, did it did it remain a did it remain an ambition for uh, a long time after that? Because obviously Martin Short joined, you know, I think ten years, nine years after it started. Did my ego suffer a bit? I, I wouldn't say suffer, but did it? Um, was there a little pang, a ping, pang in my ego? There was, but I never had aspirations to do it. Honestly, now I hear people. Oh gosh, it's fascinating. You know, when you hear young people saying. Yeah, the only thing I want to do is be on SNL. I mean, it was never an end point for me ever. I, 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 I to this day, it isn't. Would I? Would it be cool once before I pass on to be? Uh, you know, if I can, maybe I'll outdo Betty White, and maybe at ninety-seven. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That would be a cool thing. I just would love to, to say, say that. <laughs> just to say I did it, but I don't lose sleep over it. I really don't. 
well, you obviously ended up on Canada's answer to SNL, which was SCTV, which is a uh, you know an incredible uh, show that also created so many stars. I have to say, I was, I was doing research for this. I was actually shocked to learn that you were not Canadian by birth. I just assumed that you were because you've done so have had so much of your career there. Um, you know, how did SCTV happen for you? What were the early conversations about what you all wanted the show to be, and and why was it something that you were excited to do at the time? Well, I think, you know, SNL was um, starting and then there were a lot of people from Second City on it. And and so I think Andrew Alexander, our producer, and Joe Flaherty, one of the wonderful performers, um, Harold Ramis, uh, all all kind of, oh, see, there's that ding. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, I didn't hear it. Maybe you just heard it. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. You'll say good. Okay, good, good, good. Um, uh, I think they thought, well, why can't we have a Canadian version? I wasn't in on the talks in the beginning. I was just happy to be cast in it. And uh, I don't think I really had a, I, I, I had a baby at the time. And I think that's what took over because uh, the baby, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't remember those talks in the beginning, figuring out that the show is going to be about a day in television. But once that was established, then I certainly had ideas about characters that I wanted to play on it. Yeah. Do you feel like there was a, a deliberate effort to be different from SNL to do? Because I know there was no, it wasn't live, obviously it was taped and, and you were able to edit things and it was it was very different in that sense. Do you feel like there was, did you have conversations about, well, SNL is over there doing this, let's let's do this different thing? Or how did you think about it? That, well, that's interesting. I've never, ever remember a conversation like that. Uh, I think certainly the fact that SNL was successful pro probably propelled us to um, put our best artistic shoes on. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't think we ever, I, I never had a conversation where I was like, what well, SNL is doing that. What can we do differently? You know, we had done the stage show together. We really knew what each other's strengths were. I think we played to those strengths once the concept was developed and we played to our strengths and we knew each other, right. We worked together for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I think it was just what made us happy at the time, really, what made us laugh. Because, you know, we had, I mean, I, I don't know, I've never done SNL, but I, I can tell you for uh, SCTV, we had so much say in what we were doing and how it was edited and what the music was that we were going to pick to um, aug augment the scene. And we were on... Um, on the soundstage when other actors were performing, giving notes to them. You know, it was such a different time. There were monitors. We would look at the monitors afterwards and say, let me do it again and I'll do it this way. I, I really right, yeah. would kill for that. Uh, that's I really do miss that, the ability when I work to be able to look at something and say, I know how to make that better. Uh, I, I have to say it's a it's a big loss, certainly in my my creativity. Um, cause I think I was a pretty good, I think I could be really objective about what oh, worked wow. and what didn't. Yeah. 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 Even watching yourself, that must be hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I think that we were all pretty, I think because we knew each other very well and we loved each other, nobody was frightened to say, that's not working. Try it this way or what, maybe you should different use a different wig. You know, it was so profoundly collaborative. Um, I think if you talk to anybody in SCTV, they'll all say that's what they miss the most as their careers developed was the say that they had in their, in what they were doing and the collaboration. 
I also could imagine that the lack of an audience made it so that you didn't, you weren't basing it on what people were laughing at. So like on SNL, they do a dress rehearsal and if something doesn't get laughs, they cut it. But you guys weren't doing that. You were using your own sensibility, which maybe, you know, leads to more, you know, risky creative work in some ways. Do you think that's true? I I think that's absolutely true. I think you said it very well. And I think the fact that we respected one another, we were going to listen to what everybody had to say. It was really fun. It was a lot of hard work. Whatever happened to the uh, Martin Scorsese reunion documentary project that was supposedly coming? And I have certainly have never seen. I don't know uh, (laughs) if you have, but but what what happened with that? You know, I think very much like what we're talking about, people getting pulled in different directions. Everybody was doing something different. Martin Scorsese was certainly doing, you know, he does a movie every 10 minutes. So I think that was a combination of everybody, all of us trying to decide succinctly uh, what the show was going to be and not able to come up with that really and then being pulled in many different different um directions because all of us were working on different projects so it was You a- did film something though right a, a yeah. sort of group conversation or something I wonder if we'll ever get to see that Look I actually think that we'll get to see something that will be like a reunion I I don't know who the players will be in it I don't know if Marty's uh, Martin Scorsese's off doing so many things I know he was so great to work with uh we did film an interview portion Jimmy Kimmel uh hosted it in Toronto and it was everybody was there except John and uh Rick Moranis came back that was fun so I I think that we will see something honestly there's so much footage so many years of um great sketches and then to have that interview and then to have Martin Scorsese being interviewed also about SCTV. I think there'll be in some way or another, you'll see something in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, after SCTV, you, you never stopped working. You've been doing stuff all along, but there was this real career resurgence, um, you know, later in life. What do you feel like really kicked that off? Was it uh, my big fat Greek wedding? Was that the thing that you think kind of started, uh, the getting you getting you more roles getting you uh, into you know more more tv and all that no i i don't i think i was um raising two sons and i think that's really honestly what happened i was um i'd go off and you know broad you know theater has always been my first love so i waited until i was 45 until the kids were older and um and then I would only do it in the summer. I would only do theater work in the summer when they were in camp. Um, and when they finally went off to college, uh, that's when I really gave it, you know, 100% um, of an effort. So I think, I don't think my heart was in it 100%. I was really torn uh, being a mom and I, I couldn't find a way. I don't know if it's my personality or I, I don't know what it is, but I just couldn't find a way to be satisfied either way, being home alone without any uh, work and being working without my kids. And finally, when they went off to college, then I really felt free to um, achieve a dream, really, to be on Broadway and and uh, and then when was, was that my a, yeah was that a scary thing to step back i mean you, when you do that you sort of never know whether the industry is going to going to welcome you back when you when you decide oh. it's time oh i never thought that i just thought that if i was going to give it my all then people would like me 
I, I, that's, that's what great. I, <laughs> that's 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 a uh, that's more confidence than probably a lot of people have. Oh, I mean, I don't know if I have. I mean, I have a lot of anxiety for sure, and I'm always thinking. I don't know. Was that scene good? But an overall career, I just think that my love for acting and my love for working with other people and developing and creating characters um, is loud, and I think that is. I I think that gets you a place. I mean, you have to have a little talent. You just can't yeah. be. Well, I would say yeah. your, your your comedic talent is pretty undeniable. So I think uh, there will always be a place for that. Um, what were no, the? Wait, wait. I just I just want to. I, I don't know if I've been clear. I think my a combination of experience because I've lived a long life, but I think my enthusiasm and the kind of innocent approach I have to everything. Um, has kept me kept me in the business because I I I don't know does that even make sense to you? Yeah, it, okay. I think it definitely does. Um, when you when you decided that it was you know time to go back and give it your all, what were those you know first big things that you that you got that you were excited about? So I went back when I was forty five um, and did my favorite year and won a Tony for it. The first the first Broadway show I ever did. That was pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah, then that's, that's not bad. <laughs> and then I think out of that came other Broadway shows. And I wrote a one person show and um, and I did, did that in L.A. at the Mark. No, yes, at the did I do it at the Mark? No, I did Lips Together, Teeth Apart. There, sorry, I did that at the um, Cannon Theater. Doesn't exist anymore in L.A. Uh, and then at the Public Theater. I don't know. Things kind of just happened. I, I don't think I was really aggressive about anything. I never thought, well, if I do this and this is going to lead to that. You know, I don't think I've ever thought that in my life. I never thought, hmm, I have two Tonys and two Emmys. Shouldn't I be? So yeah. I, I don't think I, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think that way. I just feel like, um, I guess something will come along and I'll be dedicated to it and it will work out. I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah. Well, um, I mentioned my big fat Greek wedding because I think that was something that drew a lot of attention to you in a new way. And that must have been a project that was a pretty small film that you have, would have had no idea that it was going to become a big thing, right? That is really true. No idea at all. Oh, my God. Um, well, not to become, I think, the biggest grossing romantic comedy of all time? No, nobody yeah. was thinking that. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and there's yeah. a third one coming out. You know, we shot know, one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, um, that was that was such a great character because it really it was a chance for you to do the kind of big, broad character in a way in this you know otherwise you know romantic comedy as you said real relatively realistic film, but your character is pretty out there. Um, and, and one of the funniest parts of the movie, I think, um, my wife and I often quote the, uh, you don't eat no meat, uh, section, <laughs> yeah. um, which is very funny. Aunt Vula, let me touch your hair. Let me. Oh. Oh. Okay. Tibola? Tibola? Yes. Okay. 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 When you come to my house and I cook for you, Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, that might be a problem. What's problem? I'm the best cook in the family, tell you. Oh, I did, didn't I? Twice. Okay, then. <laughs> oh. um, it's just, uh, yeah. Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat? No, he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? 
Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. Did you feel the, you know, sort of license to really uh, go for this big character in that way? Oh, oh, I never thought about it. I just played a woman who was very close to me being Armenian. And there, you know, a lot of very confident, brazen, uh, larger than life Armenian women that I've known in my family, and my uh, my aunts. And so it felt natural. It didn't feel over the top to me. It just felt like I was really playing somebody <laughs> that I knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. Yeah. What uh, what can you share about the third one? So you already shot it and it's coming out later this year, right? Yeah, it's coming out in September. Um, look, I've only seen the trailer and I was um, I, I, I was really, you know, it, it, it was very emotional to me coming out of the pandemic like we have and the isolation. And um, I, I don't know. I guess the isolation and where we are as a country, it feels people a little unraveled and um, looking for looking for a center, looking to connect. And when I watched this trailer, I thought, oh, my gosh, it is it, um, kind of like a warm hug. And I think people will take to it. I, I mean, you know, I hope they do. I mean, I, I just acted in it. I don't have anything, you know, but um, it, ju it just felt uh, uh, cheerful and warm and cozy and felt safe to go with these people to Greece and to reconnect with something that they, you know, when the world was a different time 20 years ago when we shot the first one. So I hope that it will bring people happiness, really. I hope that you go to the movie theater, people go to the movie theater and sit back and not feel like they can't laugh and not feel something's politically incorrect and not feel that there's not this and there's not that, that you can literally just sit back and relax and, um, you know, be embraced by the, the goodwill and the comedy of it and the beauty of Greece. I, I hope it works. Coming up, Andrea texts her friend Tina Fey during our conversation to help answer my question about who she was originally supposed to play on 30 Rock. After 215 episodes, this is something that has never happened on The Last Laugh, and you are not going to want to miss it. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. 
By subscribing to The Last Lap, you can listen to our episode with Andrea Martin's co-star and brother-in-law, Martin Short, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Andrea Martin. The other project that I want to talk about, because I just feel like it was one of the most underrated comedies of recent years, is Great News. I love that show! Fantastic on that show. It's really, it was one of my favorites. Um, So funny. And I, you know, it's one of those shows that I don't think probably enough people watched, but, uh, and, and, you know, it could have gone on for a lot longer. Um, What was it, what was it like to get the opportunity to play that character, which was just a really well-written, funny character in that show and really at the center of, of that, you know, sitcom. Um, It's from uh, a sort of disciple of, uh, of Tina Fey. um, And And Robert uh, Carlock. Yeah. yeah, And, uh, and came out of that world. Um, So yeah, what was it? What did you think about that script when you first read it and what made you you know excited to take that one on yeah well who wouldn't be excited about that i mean tina had me go to lunch with uh, with her and robert and tracy wigfield the extraordinary um, creator of i worship her um and we had lunch and they were just all talking i don't think it was just kind of just to feel each other out really and then they offered me the part. It was based on Tracy's mom, her relationship with her mom. And then I got to meet her mom. Of course, I said yes to it. And uh, I jumped at the chance. We shot the pilot here. It was here. I'm here in New York. And uh, it was so easy, you know, and just something just falls into place. And Tina was on the set, just like SCTV. It was so great. Then we do a scene and then she'd come on the set and she'd whisper something in another line in my ear. And it was honestly, she comes from Second City, right? So there was that there was that ease about it and um, a great generosity of spirit amongst everybody. I loved that show. In fact, I love that you're asking me this because Briga Heelan, who played my daughter, is starring on Broadway. They haven't opened. They open next week in Once Upon a One More Time, Songs of Britney Spears. And we just have texted this morning. I said, Briga, I'm com- coming tomorrow night because I'm in New York for two more days. And she said, oh, you won't believe it. Every night at the stage store, there are big fans of great news. I said, well, thank you. Now I got to wear makeup. I have been filled with the Christmas spirit. If we can't be home for Christmas, then we can bring Christmas here. In this box and in many others still in my car and in cabs I paid to follow me are all the things we need to celebrate. Now, it's going to take a little bit of teamwork and a lot of actual work. Wayne, I'm going to need you to bake a gingerbread house and make it look exactly like this building. Beth, I need you to help me drag in the tree. Oh, trees and I are not speaking right now. Justin, you can be Santa Claus. Because I know why. And actually, I've been going to Weight Watchers for a year, so that's hurtful. And Katie, I have a very special job for you. Oh, is that how you're going to do it? Wait, how did I mess it up already? You didn't even tell me what I'm doing. Is it true that you were that you were supposed to play Liz Lemon's mother on 30 Rock at, at some point? I never is heard that. Is that a fake rumor? <laughs> Not Liz Lemon's mother. Um, it was supposed to be. Wasn't it supposed to be? Um, wait, let me just think about this. The mother. I feel like I'm I'm spreading false information. No, no, though. it was a mother of somebody on the show, and I want to say Alec Baldwin, because then You're I, be Alec Baldwin's mother. Does that even make sense? I don't. 
he <laughs> it could. I have to, Tina literally just texted me. Yeah, maybe you can ask her. I, I should, Whose mother was who, I supposed to play? Um. Oh my God. I will. I will. Um. That would be great hysterical. if she could answer. Okay, hold on. I'm doing the last laugh podcast right now. He, Matt. Oh my God! Is, have you ever has she ever done this? Your show? No. You should oh, put in a good, put Matt, in a good word though. Matt asked <laughs> me if was what did you ask me? Supposed to if play? you were supposed to play Liz Lemon's mother on Thirty Rock at, at some point. Is that true or was it Alex? This is hysterical, and obviously you can tell I don't know how to text Alex mother. <laughs> Alex mother. She wait, she's writing back. She was um I can't remember she put. <laughs> oh that is disappointing. That is hysterical. I thought it was Alex's mother. We'll never know. Okay, let's see. She's right. If, if she doesn't know and you don't know, then I don't think Elaine knows. was always out. Oh, okay. Oh, Elaine Stritch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, who well, cares? We, well. we got yeah. <laughs> we almost got to the bottom of it okay all right i gotta go back i gotta go back i gotta get back to talking but maybe we tried you for my mom i truly come in <laughs> okay what was she uh what was she texting you about earlier you guys gonna work together again or you know we're friends so we were talking about getting together over the summer at marty's cottage Oh, that's right. Very fun. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got to go back to podcast. Okay, um, look, she's the most, the smartest person I've ever worked with, but she's so even keeled, and um, it's so. Uh, what is the word? Not edifying. It's so uh, comfortable. Well, I can't think of the word to. Um, work with her because you know she's going to come up with the greatest lines you know she's going to you know i also did difficult people with her it was a great we had a great scene in difficult people you should definitely yeah i gotta Google look that, that. Too, oh it yeah. was really really funny um so yeah i mean she comes totally prepared she's really confident really uh, you know, a humble, uh, just a, a, you know, one of the players, but she's the smartest person in the room. So it's the best of all possible worlds. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of looking ahead, what, what do you want to do that you have never been able to do? Are there things out there that you, that you really feel like you want to do and haven't gotten the opportunity to? Well, I would have loved to have worked with Fellini and I'm sorry that I've never had the chance. Yeah. Cause I loved that him. That would have been nice. Yeah. I loved his direction and I loved all of it, but I got to, you know, go to circus school cause I uh, did the trapeze in Pippin. And that oh, was a, yeah. that was a great dream of mine to really work in the circus. So that was the closest that I came to that, which was extraordinary. That was a huge dream. I don't know if I have dreams as big as that, but. Well, I've known the fears of 66 I've had troubles and tears by the score. But the only thing I trade them for is 67 more. What I want, I want to do more theater. I haven't done it for a while. I really want to get back on stage. There's nothing I love more than being in the theater. Uh, I like working with people 
people that I know. So I hope that uh, maybe Tina and I will get to do something together. Maybe Amy and I will get to, you know, that's, it's wonderful yeah. when there's well, a short. Only murders in the building certainly fits that bill. Yeah, totally, totally. And um, I think I would, uh, I don't know. You know what? Here's what I'm going to say. I hope that I will be open to everything that comes my way and not let it be affected by fear that I've had in the past that I might not be able to do it and then talk myself out of it. I hope I can be an open vessel. I hope that the the years of my life, uh, 76 years, well, anybody can Google that, um, and raising two beautiful sons and having a granddaughter, I hope that experience of living, I will be able to put in a part that maybe hasn't come along. Uh, and I, I hope that all, all that I have and all that I've experienced in my life um, and the great heritage I have being Armenian and what that entails, I hope that a part will come along and it will be offered to me and I will be able to fulfill that part by living the life that I've led um, that's what I hope for. That's a beautiful sentiment. Thank you. So what I want to do now is our segment called The First Laugh. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through some firsts in your life and, and career um, around comedy and uh, and just whatever comes to mind. So starting all the way back in childhood, do you remember the first piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard as a kid? Um, I'm going to say um, the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy because my dad watched a lot of um, a lot of those shows. Um, I'm also going to say Ernie Kovacs in a variety show that he had where they were. It was um, three people dressed up like chimps. I don't even know if you can do that kind of thing anymore, really. <laughs> and uh, they were called the Nairobi Trio. And every time one of the chimps went around and hit the other chimp on the head, I laughed. So I think those kind of variety shows I loved. Yes. Do you remember the first time that you knew that you were funny, that you had the ability to make other people laugh? I think at a very young age, I don't know if it was being funny, but or just being energetic, but I, I think that people uh, reacted to my um, um, w willingness to be out there. That's I don't know if you could use the word comedy yet, but certainly as a performer, yeah, I think I at a uh, it was reinforced for sure. And at thirteen, at thirteen, I played Liat in South Pacific at a in a summer stock um, theater, and uh, so that's when I got my taste for um, musicals. Yeah, I often ask my guests about audition stories. Do you have a Do you have a story about an audition you did, maybe for something that you didn't end up getting that really stands out in your in your memory uh, as being uh, either funny or? <laughs> <laughs> or not funny or or good or not good. Well, do um, you know the Godspell audition story? Uh I've heard so I I had uh Marty on the podcast a, a long time ago and we talked a little bit about it, but I I would love to hear from your your perspective. So I unlike any other human being that auditioned for Godspell in Toronto, really knew the show. I'd seen it in New York. You had seen it in New York. I'd seen it in Paris and I'd seen it in London because I was living in Paris at the time. So I was so invested in getting that part. I auditioned for it and I was eliminated, one of the first person eliminated. And I was devastated, really. I, I couldn't, um, I, I, I don't think any 
what is the word any um rejection has ever uh, has ever penetrated me as big as big as that one did and i went off for two weeks and they rehearsed marty was in it eugene was in it eugene and i knew each other right the girl that played day by day they were about to open um it fell out of it and eugene called me and said I'm having a party tonight. You come to the party and you be as funny as you always are. And I <laughs> promise you, you'll get the part. And I came to the party and I was wild and wacky and funny. And I was offered the part. So we open, opened it together. We were wow. the original cast. That of is a great story. Yeah. yeah. Sort of a, an informal audition. Yeah. A secret audition. Secret audition. Yeah. Well, you can, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers. I mean, it was all because of Eugene. Do you remember the first time that you met one of your comedy heroes, someone who you just really looked up to in the comedy world and, and what it was like to meet them for the first time? Oh, I so remember this. I, I don't know if you would consider her a com a comedian. She was a, an amazing actress, Madeline Kahn. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a comedian. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she you know didn't do sketch comedy, but she was a great comedian for sure. And I was at a oh, this was early on in New York. I was at a party or a nightclub or something. And she was there and I went up to her and I said, oh, my gosh, Miss Khan, I'm, I, I just can't even I can't even breathe. I'm talking to you. I am your biggest fan. I've seen everything you've done. It's an honor to meet you. And she said, well, how do you think I feel? This is Lottie Lenya. I don't know if you know who Lottie Lenya is. Does, <laughs> do you know who she is? Yeah. So that I, one's I thought beyond me. Yeah. I thought you might not know her. So she was married to Bertolt Brecht. She was a great cabaret oh, wow. singer. She um was in cabaret. And anyway, I followed her. So Madeline Kahn thought as much as she would, because she was always, a, she was a chanteuse also as Madeline Kahn was. And um, I I thought, you know, it does come full circle, doesn't it? It really comes full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't, you didn't play her role, but I did uh, see you in, in Young Frankenstein on Broadway and thought wow. you were fantastic in that. And that's one oh. of my, my favorite films. And the, and I thought the musical was really great as well. Thank you. Thanks. That's nice of you to say that. Yeah, well, you've had an incredible career and, and you've made all of us laugh so much. So um, this was just such a pleasure for me to get to talk to you. And um, I think it was uh, it was really great. And I, I can't wait to see, you know, what you do on Only Murders in the Building and what you do next. And I hope that you get that, you know, role that you were talking about that really uh, lets you give all of yourself to it. So thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Well, that's it. Thank you so much to Andrea Martin for being my guest on this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. I hope you will stick around and stay with us when we come back in the fall. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible. And you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who's coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. Have a great summer and see you soon.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.